Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 6 From an Inkling Recording by Loretta Fabron Anfoy, former Lady of the Kingdom of France and current historian and librarian of the Paper Flower Consortium. Hello, my beloved initiates. This week, I shall discuss the final ability, which is somewhat common in the Paper Flower Consortium, telepathy. Let us start by discussing what telepathy is, and then I shall tell a story of love and sorrow, which was Derek's transformation. Telepathy is simply the ability to read minds and emotions. Gifted telepaths can even speak to each other without speaking. Many people have the misconception that all vampires can read minds, but that is simply not true. Most vampires' hearing is excellent, and they learn to perceive living creatures, including humans, involuntary reactions, such as heartbeats, food digestion, pulse. And while this helps vampires seem telepathic and otherworldly, true telepathy is a dangerous gift. Because telepaths can hear deep, dark secrets and wandering thoughts alike, and it is up to the telepath to decide what is important and what is not. They become often overwhelmed, and only with intense training are they able to learn to control that gift. While mesmerism can force someone to take a specific action and even plant memories, a talented telepath can break another person's spirit with their thoughts. And these telepaths who have known evil can spread evil, as we saw with William but that is a story for another time. Tonight's story is another about how gifts can be surprising. I will recall Derek Miller's history before his rebirth and then the night which his inklings became full-blown telepathy. Derek is and was a gentle soul and he was not ready for the pain of ages to be pressed upon him. So let us begin by telling you a bit about him when he came to us. An uneducated and orphan lad of 17, he answered Jacob's Help Wanted ad for an able-bodied man in the fall of 1842. We needed someone to assist us in traveling to America to meet with Charles, who was already here. Derek could read a little, and he matched up the address on the ad with the address in the house. However, he had no functional handwriting to speak of, though he could print a few letters. He had mostly survived by what he called his inklings. He felt guided by these strong feelings which he believed originated from his late mother, who looked down upon him from heaven. However, back in those days, if anyone suggested he was a telepath or a witch, he would have just laughed. He didn't believe in such things. It was one of these inklings who drove Derek to skip his shift and risk a beating, or perhaps lose his job altogether, to meet with Jacob. In some ways, this is logical. A situation in private service for an aristocratic family sounded much better than his apprenticeship at the factory. Due to the overpopulation and lack of jobs in London, Jacob must have interviewed a hundred men, and a hundred more were left waiting when Derek entered the parlor. And they spoke of knights and vampires and going to America. And Derek thought Jacob might be a little crazy, but it was a good job. And after a time, his happy situation became happier because Jacob asked Derek if he would like to train to be his son. 
Now Derek had an unusually long instruction period, a little over nine years. Much of this time was spent on basic instruction, reading and writing. And then Derek had a clerk's apprenticeship. As this was the 19th century before the current guidelines, Jacob offered to transform Derek after the clerk's apprenticeship, as now he had a situation that could support him and possibly a wife. However, for Derek, vampirism was an escape from poverty. Being a clerk wasn't enough. And so he refused to be transformed until he was an attorney with a solid roster of clients, both supernatural and human, and a trusted human secretary for day errands. It had also become apparent during his law apprenticeship that a family man would have greater opportunities than a single man. And Derek asked Jacob if Pasley would find him suitable, her rank and his being what it was, before he tried to court her. And we did not know that Derek's anxiety of such things would haunt their marriage. You see, at this point in time, the six of us lived in a four-room cabin outside the city of Vancouver, Oregon Territory. Just to clarify, though Vancouver would eventually be part of Washington Territory in 1852 and Washington State in 1889, at this point, Vancouver was still in the territory of Oregon. It was near a dairy farm who sold us cows from time to time. We also had a hired man named Sam, he was an American, and a dog named Dash who came from England with us. Though we knew Vancouver was not to be our final home, our family still needed a liaison with human leaders, the nearby werewolf congregation, and a vampire coven, as well as the few rogue vampires who sometimes sought us out. In America, single women, especially pretty noble-born women, were rare. Pascaline found it quite inconvenient not to have a husband. She was often prepositioned to, proposed to, or simply not taken seriously in a town surrounding a military fort. Pascaline was strong and fast enough to get out of any scrapes that came her way, but her training as a courtier ensured scrapes never escalated. Though Derek and Pascaline married for convenience, the two are well suited in each other's company. Though condoms were expensive, in Vancouver they were readily available to use in the line of brothels on Main Street, so Derek was not worried that Pascaline might accidentally transfer vampirism too early. While sexually transmitted vampirism is rare, especially from female to male, it can happen, and so the two were quite careful. And when Derek felt enough of his dreams had come true, he emptied his schedule in order to be transformed on June 21st, 1851. Now, I do feel it's important to hear a little bit of this account by Derek's own words, which was dictated directly to me by my brother-in-law two days after he was transformed. Please forgive him for being snappish. As I've said before, transforming into a vampire can be difficult. Derek was obviously quite upset. I took no offense on anything he said. You see, the night before, Jacob had discussed whether or not to kill Derek and regain the energy that he had given the younger man. I needed to get this statement for posterity. Statement of Derek Miller, June 24th, 1851. Why are you questioning me about this, Loretta? Leave me alone. Dash is the only one I can abide. She loves me fully. Why are you writing that? Fine. If you won't go away, I'll speak to you. I dreaded the right, and it hurt to perish, of course, but it was less painful than I feared. It was afterwards, when we prayed and thanks for my transformation, pain pulsed with my heartbeat. Impressions, opinions, and recollections pushed into me from the other vampires, Dash, Sam, even the cows on the nearby field. Imagine ripping the layers of curtain off that window 
and permitting the sun to pour in. However, rather than burning you alive, it fills you with boundless, scorching thoughts. My mind is finite, but the information driving into me is ceaseless. Have you ever wondered how a dog thinks? Because I know now. I should burn in eternity forever losing my temper with such a sweet creature. I grew colder as your thoughts and memories drifted past me. My wife loved another man, and that Andre was dead doesn't matter. After all, I am dead now too. All these emotions flew through my skin and my bones and my organs and my brain. And before I could appreciate what was happening to me, more hollowness impressions flooded into me as if I was being dashed against the waves and I couldn't breathe. I am dead and I don't have to breathe, but I want to breathe. I vomited. I remember looking at the blood-stained wooden floor of our cabin and realized then that I lost control of my bladder too. Thankfully, I relieved my bowels before the transformation. Is my humiliation the type of history you need? In all the stories you've told me over the years, you've never spoke of befouling yourselves. And Jacob and Charles are so brave and strong, and I know they did not foul themselves, yet I did. This means I am not worthy to be a vampire or Jacob's son or, or Pascaline's husband. Why are you just sitting there, Loretta? Why are you still writing? Leave me be. If you must know for posterity, you should write down that I'm a dishonest four-flusher. I ought to be in England with a scarred back and factory-damaged muscles, but here I am. I am something else. Are all sisters-in-law so annoying? I don't remember what happened next, but far away I heard Jacob ask, Are you seeing other places, son? Come back. And I think I might have told him I was there. I don't remember, but I do remember the taste of Charles' blood as he opened his wrist for me. If I could, I would eat your husband. If I could, I would kill you all. I know what you've done. I know, I know everything. everything. Lady Agatha and Pascaline must have helped me undress. I think Pascaline removed my socks, and her gentle hands caressed me and rubbed a salve into my shoulders and chest and feet. And I think Agatha mesmerized me and told me to sleep, and Pascaline helped me into my coffin. Pascaline tried to kiss me, but I turned my head away from her, so her lips just brushed my cheek. Pascaline wasn't thinking of me. She was remembering Andre, how she lost him, and how she feared she would lose a second husband. And I knew the world I had so carefully built over the last nine years was crumbling. Yet nothing had actually changed. No, I married a widow. I do not know how long I remained in my coffin, but the thick pine boards muffled the sound of all of you. And yet I could still touch your thoughts, your memories. As I lay in the dark of my coffin and sense every horrid pain, I obsessed over every detail in my wife's head. I did not know how tall and beautiful Andre had been, especially in French court clothing. A perfect gentleman in all things, just like Jacob. Andre had fought in wars while I ran from press gangs and street sergeants. And he gave her a child. I saw that precious little girl through Pascaline's eyes, the joy of holding her baby overshadowing the pain of her birth, Pascaline rocking her in that special Italian-made enameled brass cradle. 
Celeste suckling her wet nurse, and how Pascaline hid her tears because her own breasts were heavy with milk that no one would drink, and her sad loneliness when Andre insisted she remain in confinement with the baby rather than return to court. Pascaline was such a good mother. How much agony has been buried in her shredded heart? I replayed the last night she saw Andre, half in court dress and cosmetics, pressing her, the baby, and you into a carriage with the other women of the household. How can I ever compete with such a brave Marquis? I left my previous existence behind, and even though I became an attorney, a gentleman, I am still a commoner. My common blood won't leave me no matter how much blood I drink. And I can never give my wife a child. So talk to your sister and tell her this. Tell her she deserves a better husband. Insertion. For a full account, I ought to break in and tell you that Derek had stopped speaking at this point. In fact, he had started to weep, but then Dash jumped out of the coffin and brought him a well-chewed leather ball. Derek tried to ignore the dog, but she nuzzled him, and he threw the ball a few times and then tried to lay back down. And then Derek continued to speak. Last night, when Pascaline and I left to hunt, we raced towards the water, and yet I knew she was restricting her pace to mine. I struggled to keep up. I know, I know, Andre was just a human, but I kept thinking he would have been able to do this. If he hadn't died, he would have been her match for eternity. We found two drunk loggers singing by the river, and they had so much love for each other, I was glad we were going to eat them. I wanted to destroy their love because I knew Pascaline loved Andre. And I watched as my wife took the first man down. It took seconds. And I sank my teeth into the neck of the second, but as I drew in his blood, a numbness spread from my right cheek down all the way to my feet, prickling me and creating the lasting pins and needles wherever it touched. And I was in the flurries of the thoughts. But now, instead of vampires, it was this human. It was my victim. And though I ached for his blood, I couldn't hold on to my prey. My arms and legs twitched with my victim's terror. And suddenly my jaw shifted open, and he escaped. I stood there stupidly, still experiencing his horror. And dropping her comatose victim onto the ground, Pascaline bolted after mine. Think of the others, she shouted. And I couldn't move. Desperately helpless, I gazed upon my wife. This was not my dream of eternal life, eternal love. And the world which I had created collapsed around me. I watched her drop him in what seemed like seconds and silently Pascaline sank her fangs into his neck until he collapsed, convulsing. At least as the man lost consciousness, his horror subsided. And Pascaline reached for my hands, and her fangs were stained crimson, and her cheeks were flush, and she was so lovely and delicate. You need more blood, Derek. Drink from him, Pascaline said. But I did not. I told her if I couldn't hunt, perhaps I shouldn't eat. And Pascaline just shook her head and said, It doesn't matter. I will keep you fed. We ought to bring them home for the others, Pascaline said. I know as a gentleman I should have helped her with the bodies, but I stormed off and returned to my coffin. I felt her return. I felt the tingling ache when the family ate the first logger. And I knew Jacob wondered if he should throw such a weak vampire into the sun. Jacob had turned me for Pascaline. It was always for Pascaline, not for me. He only wanted a son-in-law. 
and he wondered if I was a mistake, a long-term investment that wouldn't pay off. And then Jacob and Charles went outside, and I lay listening while they discussed what ought to be done with me. Though I had some concern about what Jacob might do, mostly I miss my mother, because now I understood that my inklings were never from her. Felt as if I had lost her again. I prayed for her soul, but with the knowledge that I couldn't ever be reunited because I no longer was going to die. But then I realized if Jacob killed me, I might find my mother in heaven and my sweet, lovely Pascaline could be free of me. It causes me pain to drive my thoughts to my mouth because I do not know what's my thoughts and what is all of yours. You are never quieted because it is not your mouth that is speaking, it is your mind's. And then Derek's statement ended and he sobbed again. And I patted my brother-in-law's shoulder and told him not to worry that we would take care of him. And I reminded him that Pascaline loved him, and I loved him. He shrugged me away and went to the outhouse, and then returned a short time later to his coffin. And Dash lay beside him again, nudging his arm and whimpering. Fear not, my beloved initiates. I will not leave you, not knowing what occurred between Charles and Derek the next day. You see, Charles informed the family that Derek rose at noon, and he stared at the leftover corpse hanging in the corner. And Charles said... Would you get off the pot, brother? You have to eat or you will go insane with hunger. Derek turned from the corpse. Wrapping himself with a woolen blanket, he sat beside the fire and looked at the burnt heads of used matches. Charles dug his knife into the body and pressed the man's muscles so drips of coagulated blood fell into the bowl below. Derek kept focusing on the matches. They did not make sound. He rubbed two together and stacked them. And then creating two studs, he stacked the rest together and placed glue upon it to form a wall. What are you doing? Charles asked. I don't know, building something, Derek said. But in truth, the movement had begun to soothe him. I need more matchsticks. Eat first, for Pascaline's sake, Charles said. And Derek broke the matchstick in his fingers as rage overtook him. And he said... Loretta loves you with a full heart, and Agatha has only ever been married to Jacob. How can I ever be sure if Pascaline loves me when she still loves her first husband? And Charles tried to hand Derek the bowl and asked, How can you be jealous of century-old shadows? Derek refused to take the bowl, so Charles set it at his feet. Derek told me that he had a teeny urge to kick it over, but a gentleman does not make an unnecessary mess. So instead, he glued the two pieces of matchstick together and set it aside to dry. And Charles did his best to comfort his brother. They had a child, Derek, and Pascaline didn't come back from death for him, but for the daughter. Perhaps time may have made the Marquis soft in Pascaline's memory, but that man wasn't perfect. You didn't even know him, Derek said. He finished his wall of burnt matchsticks because he realized concentrating on matchsticks helped him filter out the other voices around him. And besides, Charles was not done speaking. No, I did not know him, but there were little things that Loretta said to Jacob, and Jacob repeated to me before he allowed me to court her. The Marquis kept Pascaline confined long after her pregnancy. Why would a man keep his wife, a wife who understood politics, away from court? Derek shrugged and said, Pascaline believes it was the cost of new court fashions. 
or the Dragon Aids? Charles said, perhaps, or perhaps he was simply resentful that she was shrewd, or a beauty that might be courted by a duke, a prince, or even the king, which means he was not a man, much less a patriot. In fact, Loretta thought so little of her sister's and parents' marriages that she sought to be a mistress rather than a wife. He could read Charles' memory and my memory and Jacob's memory, and all together they told him that we were speaking the truth. Still, he couldn't drink the blood at his feet. He had felt the man's fear, and no one could understand that. I know what Loretta dreams of, Derek said. Charles just shrugged. I am glad I don't know everything in Loretta's head, but I know that our wives are adventuresses. They are new women, and you married Pasolini knowing that she was a new woman. But Derek was not thinking of new women. He was thinking of a woman who died. And asked Charles, do you think my mother is in heaven? And then he gestured at the corpses in the corner. Do you think they are? She was murdered just as I murdered those poor souls with Pascaline. No, it's worse. These men were murdered randomly, and my mother was murdered by him. And now I am just like him. Charles rubbed his hands together and asked, Do you want me to kill you so you can go to heaven? Yes, Derek said. Be certain, Charles said. Because if I destroy you, even with your permission, I will destroy the great love and happiness between our wives. Perhaps Pascaline loves her first husband, but that does not mean she doesn't love you. And she will not forgive me for destroying you. And then Loretta will be forced to choose her bosom companion or me. And she will grow to resent either choice. Still, better that I do it than Jacob. If Jacob killed you, that might destroy the entire family. And I swore to protect this family when I became Jacob's son. Of course, so did you. But if you are too weak to keep your vow, I will end your torment. And though we will mourn, the family will eat you. Derek could see that Charles goaded him. But he could also see the man's resolution, as if it was a physical presence surrounding him. Charles picked up the bowl and handed it to Derek. He drew his hunting knife and checked its sharpness. And Derek knew that eternal existence was his decision alone, be a vampire or meet final death, but there was no going back to humanity. There was no going back to a time when his mind just had inklings instead of full telepathy. Derek lifted the bowl of blood to his lips and drank. Now, before questions, I will share a word from our sponsor, Norma's Cleaning Service. Untidy Hunt, Congregation-Wide Blood Feud, Unsolicited Worshippers, Puddle of Blood Staining Your Carpet. Don't worry, Norma's Cleaning Service tidies all kinds of messes in the greater Seattle area. Depending on the circumstances, guaranteed to solve your problem, or at least ensure you never have a problem again. Licensed and bonded private investigator, and licensed and bonded house cleaner. Call or download the app. All right. Time for questions. Now, before I get started, I must answer a question from the last lesson because the answer pertains to this lesson. Why did Marion seem so angry when dealing with Norma? Marion was angry because nothing was going as planned. Also, she had just been shot and was in a great deal of pain. As a young vampire, she needed to remain in control of her bloodlust, and all of this took her energy. However, the reason she was angry when dealing with Norma was as soon as Norma got Marion in her truck, Marion felt as if Norma was drawing out information. The coven loves Norma. 
But dealing with a vampire telepathy can drive a reasonable vampire to irrationality. And Norma is much worse because she thinks fast, talks fast, and while she is talking, she will slip into your mind and unearth whatever she needs to solve the problem. And then she'll skip ahead. As I said in her ad, she will always resolve any difficulty. But let's not talk about Norma tonight, because her story will be told soon enough on her death night. Next question. Lady Loretta, some say telepaths can communicate with the dead. Is Derek or his offspring able to communicate with those who died? If you mean those who have died and were reborn vampires, zombies, ghosts, or ghouls, the answer is yes. Then Derek and his offspring can speak to the dead. Of course, the undead must speak English or French from the past century or current conversational Spanish, though Derek's Spanish is not fluent and he may request that a statement might be repeated a few times. As everyone probably knows, it is so hard to learn languages as an adult. However, Norma speaks Spanish much more fluently than Derek does. She also speaks a little Mandarin. And I don't know why it would come up in modern America, but Ryan is fluent in Latin. However, if you mean the final dead, the answer is no. They have gone beyond our realm. So, Lady Loretta, it is true, though, that all Derek's offspring have been gifted with telepathy. Yes. While Derek's offspring have been gifted with telepathy, there isn't a big enough sample size to know if Derek is gifting his offspring. His sons, William Crusoe and Dr. Ryan Jones, were both born with telepathy, and William did pass telepathy on to Norma. However, after research, the coven is pretty sure all three had latent gifts. Here's why. You see, our ancient ancestor Gaius has made thousands of vampires in the 2,500 years that he has lived, but he only saw one true telepath. Philippa was the fourth vampire Gaius created, and so he didn't actually realize how rare her gift was until a few hundred offspring later. He informed us that Philippa had always been a witch. In fact, it was how she made her living. After she was transformed, he also warned us that Philippa needed quiet and routine or she became very overwhelmed. In the 2,500 years that she has lived, she has rarely hunted for herself. During William's initiation period, he admitted as a boy he sensed things, but whenever he tried to tell someone what he had saw or sensed, his father had, quote, whipped the devil out of him, so he learned to stop talking about it when it happened. Ryan had a very strong connection to animals as a boy, which drove him to be a marine biologist. In one of his initiation interviews, he admitted his grandfather sometimes had trances. I will also point out, though William was a romantic relationship and Ryan and Derek are just friends, Derek has said he felt an, a magnetic attraction to both of them. Now, Norma could not confirm any prior gifts. However, she did not know her maternal relatives, and her father had died in World War II. She could confirm that sometimes she knew what her mother wanted before she was asked, or knew gossip before someone had told her. But then she said that there was a lot of routine on a farm, and moreover, Issaquah, especially back then, was a very small town. Lady Loretta, so if I want to read minds? Due to her low death weight, Norma has been forbidden to transform anyone, but you can approach Ryan or Derek for mentorship, if they agree. As I've said, gifts are elusive. There is no guarantee that you will receive telepathy, but on the bright side, you will still be a vampire. As I have gone over the Paperflower Consortium's common vampire talents, next time I shall discuss one real and one mythical weakness of the vampire. Good day, beloved initiates, and sleep the sleep of the dead. The Paperflower Consortium podcast was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. For more information, please visit elizabethgazzetti.com slash paperflowerconsortium. 
If you have a question for Lady Loretta, hit the Ask Lady Loretta button on the page or email her at info at paperflowerconsortium.com. Also, if you would like me to say your name on the podcast, then please say so on email. The Paperflower Consortium cares about privacy. The intro and outro music was written by Evan Wins, and you can learn more about his music at www.woodynotes.com. Thanks for listening.